When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello once again. I'm with Shane Leonage. I've been chatting to him on and off or from time to time over the past uh, 12 months. And fingers crossed I'm pronouncing his name right after all. And am I doing okay with that, Shane? Yeah, you're, you're doing fine, mate. Uh, thanks for having me on. Great to be back. And uh, yeah, you're looking well as well. And good circumstances, Shane, because as we were just chatting before going on air, that's... Um, Seven slams. Is that seven slams since you set up your company? Uh, no, no. It's uh, it's the last in the last seven. Um, okay. yeah, I've been fortunate enough to work with uh, two players that have been uh, either yeah, in the final or, or, or eventually the champion. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, and the one occasion that that didn't happen, it was super close. Uh, maybe we'll come to that later, but let's... Let's talk about obviously the last sort of 48, 72 hours, but but also the last two weeks, which which your body of work obviously will be heavily involved in. But let's just focus on the last 48 hours. How's it been as a as a member of again of a, of a grand slamming winning machine, I guess? Yeah, I mean, obviously, firstly, very, very happy for Arena. She's uh, put in, in the work, not only the, the last two weeks, but uh, across a number of years and uh, and and yeah, just to, to see her get the the reward for for all that effort is is definitely uh, something I'm very happy to have played a small part in as well. Um, but yeah, just really happy for her because I think uh, I've seen on the Netflix show and uh, and she said yeah. it before as well. Um, it was one of the things that she had told her her dad that she'd love to have a couple of slams by the age of 25. So just for her to tick that off um, within that time frame is just something a little special as well. Yeah, I can understand that. I think, she, I, you know, I've come across her in press conferences a few times and she's extremely charming and a lot of fun. And, um, you know, we see the demeanor, of course, on court and how desperate she is to win. But but away from it, I remember in Madrid, for example, just a random moment last year, just after she won the title there. Uh, you know, there was one of these sort of cameras was put in her face, just like a, a you know a cell phone camera, but by the media of, of Madrid, they were doing one of these off the cuff things, and they said, "Say something for social media," and she was like, "Oh, um, I don't know, uh, vamos!" She she did, and everyone in the this is after the press conference, and everyone in the press room laughed, and and I and it was a a, a spontaneous, natural thing that 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 Arena comes across so well, and I guess as a part of her, you know, a team, if you like. You do get to come across this this part of her personality too. Yeah, she's a very very real person. Uh, you probably saw that in the trophy presentation and a number of her press conferences. I think she doesn't really um, hide what what she wants to say, and she yeah has a way of charming people with just the uh, the honesty, and uh, she has a funny sense of humour, uh, a little bit quirky, but um, yeah, she's uh, like that off the court, and she's very uh, I would say. Genuine to, to, to all uh, her team members, the supporters. Um, but, yeah, on the court, she's a fierce competitor. She'll, she'll battle. Uh, she'll fight hard. 
um, you know, a number of matches, uh, not not so much this summer, but a number of matches uh, in the past. She she's looked down and out, but she she'll fight to the end. I think like a great example is that Madison Keys at the U.S. Open. She was really down and out, but she just hung in there and um, managed to turn around. And I think she's just got a an incredible fighting spirit on, on the court. Um, but yeah, off the court, she's a, a very 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 genuine, great human being. Shane, which of the matches, and let's go over this sort of sort of 18, 20-month period uh, that we've sort of honed in on uh, since the summer of 2022, is that, I guess, something like that? Um, um, yeah, so obviously you had Ons Schaubur in, in, the, in the US final, final there, but, but looking at Arena, and, and we can look at other players later, um, which match would you say really gave you the greatest pleasure, where there was, like, the data, the information, the plan, it was executed, and just everything was a dream, if you like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I, I would say, I mean, th- definitely this this uh, this Australian Open, the semi-final with Coco. Um, I know the coach, um, Arena's coach, Anton Dubrov, and I went back and forth. We looked at a lot of vision. We looked at a lot of data. We looked at a lot of, uh, I guess, permutations of things that could happen. Uh, and I thought the plan was pretty clear, what we came up with, and, and Arena executed really well and adjusted as well when Coco made some adjustments. So that one gave me a lot of satisfaction because I felt that was a really da- a danger match, a tough opponent that uh, you know had, I guess, the recent uh, victory in New York. Um, yeah, it was it was it was great. That that one gave me a lot of satisfaction. Um, I think with Ons as well, there's been a few matches. I think her, her win against Rubikina at Wimbledon was uh, was one that I take a lot of pride in, uh, given, you know, 12 months earlier, uh, she'd lost the final. Uh, and Elena, for a lot of people at that stage, was almost the favourite to win Wimbledon. So, um, yeah, that was that, that was one. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's probably a scattering of other, other great matches. I think um, Arena's win over Eager in Madrid as well. Uh, we've done a lot of preparation for that uh, post, I think, playing in uh, the Stuttgart final the week before. So yeah. uh, I know the coach and I had a lot, lot of back and forth uh, coming up with uh, a plan for, for Madrid. And, yeah, it was that, that one as well it was a great win. So even when you're not on site or on the same continent, I guess, Shane, you're still getting your data through pretty clearly. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're um, with with those bigger players. We've got access to the level three sort of Hawkeye electronic line calling system data, and then we run it through our system and we uh, yeah produce reports. But there's always back and forth. I, I would say there would have been close to ten voice messages back and forth with uh, myself and Anton before that Madrid final, just looking at different patterns, different things that Eager was doing, chatting about I guess the altitude and why the the match would be different from the week before. Uh, but also trying to draw some inferences as well from from that previous match. So, yeah, uh, I, I think we're uh, very active. And, and then even during the match as well, uh, I, I'd like to be awake and um, and uh, and occasionally, even when I'm not in the box there, I'll get messages from either Anton or someone in the team just asking some questions on what's happening in the match. So they're getting answers from me almost real time as well, whether I'm in the box or not in the box. So, um yeah, uh, I'd like to think, um, yeah, whether I'm there or not, uh, there's still you know, some involvement in the match itself. I'm glad you mentioned the Coco match because there's been two epic matches between them, I would argue, in the last six months and with two different results. So you, you said that this one gave you a lot of pride and, and, and you're very pleased with how things panned out in terms of what you knew before and how that was executed. 
how would you say that without giving too much away how would you say that was possibly different therefore to the, the final in in september of last year yeah i i think in both matches arena started quite well um aggressive um but coco adapted and she adapted and she had even in that semi-final she had a period where she was definitely the more dominant player and you know she even served for it um and yeah we, we just had to uh arena just had to hold um her composure and and stick to a certain pattern of play and and change a couple of things based on what Coco had changed. And, and I think she was more aware of it because it had happened uh, at the US Open and Coco made a similar adjustment here in Melbourne. But, uh, yeah, Rena kind of uh, anticipated it and made, made the quick adjustment to be able to break back and then, um, yeah, win the tiebreak pretty convincingly. So, um, yeah, it takes uh, – I guess we're proud because we, we – uh, of the, I guess the the learning from from that previous match and the growth that we saw that, you know, this time Arena was able to recognize it. I know we we had mentioned that it could, it could happen, but for her to be able to to uh, recognize it and then make the adjustments herself um, was yeah something very pleasing and something I'm sure you know Anton, the coach, and the rest of the team will be proud that she was able to adapt um, in this situation quite well. Did you get that message to her then? during the match um like at, yeah. at five, so i guess around about five four five all five six something like this i guess you transmitted something to her to say look you need to tweak this because something's going on, on the other side of the net yeah it was a bit of both actually so a a anton was definitely i was communicating with anton and anton had relayed some messages back to to her but there were some adjustments that she had already started doing recognizing the momentum that coco had so it, it was quite pleasing yes there was some communication but she'd already picked up a few things uh on her own and i think i'd like to think that was because it, she had been prepared for it and uh and they, they did the work on the practice court as well um knowing that this could happen um but yeah a bit bit of both but very pleasing that uh arena was able to to identify some of those things herself yeah do you think I mean, do you have players, and, 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 and it seems like Arena's pretty much like a sponge with this, but I mean, it, it, I, I often think of across all sports, I'm a huge soccer fan, for example, and, I, and one of my sort of heroes in, in that respect was Sir Alex Ferguson, and he was very wary as a coach not to overload players with too much information. And I guess you have to strike this balance, Shane, between keeping it basic and simple, but you also want to get your message across. Yeah, definitely, and and probably on the the sponge comment, I, I don't think she's always been like that. I I, I don't know. I think in previous um, podcasts with you, uh, we, we've talked about. I think the first year of the relationship, very little communication with um, with me and Arena, and I would say even the analysis that I did, the reports, uh, the coach uh, probably didn't relay a lot back to her at that stage. They may have reviewed some of the vision stuff that we'd done. Uh, but he would keep it to himself. But I think across the the years, um, he's started to drip uh, drip feed a little bit more and more and more. And she's actually asked some questions as well. So uh, yes, yeah, so she certainly wasn't. A, I would say a sponge at the start with the data stuff. But um, over time, she's grown confident uh, in using it, and, um, and and she uses it more. But I, I'd still say there's still uh, she wouldn't she wouldn't look at everything that I give the coach. Um, naturally, uh, you should only have, I would say, a, a clear three or four, uh, you know, points. Um, so, so three or four areas that 
maybe the coach um, lets her know and, and that's what they think about a lot. And then um, I, I would think anything else is almost need to know. He might communicate it as the match is going, but um, we'd still keep it pretty simple. Um, and, and yeah, that's the same with different players. I've got some players that really love the, the, the data side and, uh, and, and even with them, I'm always mindful. I, yes, I can give them a lot and they'll love to learn about it and use it, but they can overthink. Um, so it, it's actually, even though they want it, it's, a, it's detrimental to, to what we're trying to achieve. So I, I deliberately cut back on what I give them. Um, so it's a, it's a fine art. It's a, I guess that art, art versus science sort of balance that you've got to, uh, to manage. The coach has to manage that as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the nature of the work. Could you maybe just sort of explain what did change, um, whether it was a data thing or, or something else, but but what did change from the 5-2 advantage that she had against Coco, where things obviously looking very good, and quite quickly uh, from the outside, things seemed to be unraveling a bit to 5-all, and then obviously, as you said, 6-5 with Coco serving and 30-love. There's sort of two swings in the match in a way. I mean, actually, the second set was super tight, but... But the that first set, there were certainly two sort of big swings when it was, you know, five two to to six five, and then from six five we had another pretty significant swing. Whereas you also highlighted it was a, a comfortable tiebreak in the end. Yeah, look, I, I think Coco took some ball speed uh, off her game and the forehand, uh, which was missing a fair bit at the start. Um, she. As she did in the US, she was shaping the ball, uh, you know, across well, middle line, a little bit maybe middle cross court, um, but just getting the ball back uh, with a bit more spin, a bit more clearance um, and and not giving much ball speed. Uh, I think she started to do that. She wasn't missing. So, um, so yeah, Arena had to, I guess, adapt to uh to that and and uh you know she obviously she used a few different things she moved forward a little bit more at times um uh she changed the directions i'm not going to go into all, all that detail given um, i'm sure there's a few few more matches between the two coming but uh yeah she definitely uh that was one of the changes that that coco had made and i think that similar to the us open that allowed her to yeah i guess change the dynamic of the match and and that that was the trigger point for i think for us to, to maybe think about uh, changing something as well um, to be able to adapt. And I think Arena that did that well. The second set was very tight, as you mentioned. Um, um, but I, I think the second set level was higher with both players. There wasn't uh, a drop-off until, um, yeah, until sort of the, the, the last couple of games. I think Coco didn't maybe play the best game to get broken. Um, but I, I thought the level in the second set was quite high. Um, I have to say, Coco started serving unbelievably in, in, in the back end of that first set from 2-5. She was serving uh, a number of times over 200. Uh, I, I reckon there was a lot of balls over 190 as well. So uh, she served incredibly. Um, so uh, you've got to, you know, it wasn't all, uh, you know, um, uh, you know anything that arena necessarily did badly uh, coco just played exceptional i thought from that two five to get get it to five five or six five in her favor it's quite rare for two players to independently come into a press conference and both of them highlight the exact same thing or the exact same difference uh if that's not a contradiction in in terms from the new york match and and melbourne because both of them said uh coco said i felt that she was playing more aggressively as in arena and she stayed more aggressive throughout and arena basically said exactly the same that 
maybe in New York, I, I either dropped the intensity or I dropped that level of aggression a little bit at, at one point, And that was the, the turning point in New York. But I didn't let that happen here. I mean, it was, you know, you, different words, but 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 pretty much the same narrative was being said by both players. Yeah, definitely heard the press conference, and I agree with it as well. I think that that's accurate. Um, I also agree. I think Coco had mentioned as well, she thought the match quality was actually better here than it was in New York. Um, so she even said, I know I won in New York, but uh, I think I played better here, which, uh, again, I think that if you, if you look at the way she served, uh, I know there were a couple of double faults, but if, if you look at the, the speeds that she was uh, serving, the spots she was hitting, it was pretty incredible. It was, it was unbelievable serving this play from her, um, serving, uh, you know, mid-190s to 200. It was, uh, yeah, exceptional, I thought. And then the level was really high in the second set as well. So, again, um, it was a great match. It could have quite easily been a three-set match. Um, but I agree with both of them that they both were a bit more aggressive and uh, and the level um, was definitely higher than the, than the match in New York. What would you say has been a, a, a big change in terms of arena in this in this two-year period? I remember, uh, albeit on TV, watching her in New York saving match points in, I'm going to say, an early round, maybe the third um, against Kanepi. Kanepi, that's right, yes. Yeah, in New York in September 20, or August, September 2022. And then, you know, I, I, I sometimes reference this. This is just someone from the outside who's observing her matches, you know, casually, if you like. And I, I, I've pinpointed that match as a sort of mini turn point because she ends up having a good run. She's up a break in the third set against Eager that doesn't work out, but then she has a good WTA finals. And then we all know what happened in Australia a year ago. And, yeah. and it's kind of just been upward trajectory ever since, in my opinion. Uh, what would you say in the two years has been the biggest improvement that you would say in terms of arena? Look, I think um, the mindset and the ability to uh, yeah turn matches around from those really challenging situations. Uh, and I'd, I'd say the Coco one as well, the 5-6 a six five Coco serving for the, the, the set with all the momentum. Um, so that again, that was a, a turnaround. The Madison Keys again, uh, that that looks gone. That that match looked uh, done and d- done and dusted at that point. A straight sets defeat. She managed to turn it around. Um, yeah. Uh, so so the obviously the the Kanepi one as well against Kanepi had traditionally given Arena a lot of trouble. Just the matchup was awkward. So for her to figure it out there. Um, that's that's been a big change. I, I think the, her ability to adjust to different game styles, that's that's something that's very pleasing. I know early in, in the tournament played Anisimova, uh, someone that traditionally gives her a bit of trouble. Just the matchup is awkward, um, and she and the team identified it. She identified it, and she again managed to still play her game, but adjust a little bit just to make it a little bit more challenging for Anisimova to do what she had done in the past. So. Um, just her ability to be flexible but still be true to herself. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's that's something I think that's she's uh, improving. It's not just over the two-year period. I, I go back to when we started with them in 2021. Um, I think that's been progressive um, across the period. And then, uh, the, uh, and I think I may have mentioned this the first time we, we spoke, one of the first things Anton said to me when we met, uh, when we started um uh, in two, 2021 was uh, want to start achieving results in Grand Slams. They'd done really well in other tournaments, won, won lots of events, but just, I think, hadn't broken a third round at that point. 
at yeah. a Grand Slam. So it was all around peaking at the slams was was the focus, and that didn't happen happen overnight. But uh, you know, all the little changes done by I guess everyone in the team. Jason's work was incredible. Uh, Anton bringing Andre on as a as a really quality hitting partner that can mimic most of the WTA players um amir bringing him on so everyone's played a little bit of a role to try and uh, get her to be ready to peak at the slams and i think that's that's working really well i think it is i mean semi-finals at all the slams since that new york run in 2022 um what uh, what match we've spoken about some of the ones that have given you most pleasure which ones in the last sort of two to three years either with arms or with arena have you either found frustrating because of a, of a professional standpoint because um, you know, maybe the data you had maybe didn't manifest itself or that something went wrong or just because it was a, a, a crushing defeat for, for you and all the player. Yeah, I mean, um, I'd have to say definitely the Wimbledon final, I think, uh, with Ons was definitely one that was, uh, you know, hard, hard to watch given the level that Ons was playing to, I think, had beaten Kvitova, Rubikina, had overcome Zabalenka. Uh, and then I thought the final was just, um, and not, not taking anything away from Wondrasova. She played, uh, you know, she deserves to be Wimbledon champion. But I felt Ons didn't play the level that she had played in the previous rounds. And 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 for me, uh, yeah, that I guess the data and the plan, she she wasn't able to follow that uh, just because, uh, you know, the the occasion sort of overwhelmed her. Uh, um, so that one was difficult. The Mukova semi-final where Arena had match points. Um, I feel that one was one uh, that, again, it, in the it was playing at a really high level. A few things didn't go away, and then it seemed like everything started to snowball out of control. And, and the ability not to stop that momentum is disappointing. And maybe being in the box that day, I feel as well. Uh, you know, was there something better we could have done to identify um, something or to slow her down or change something? So definitely. Uh, from a professional point of view, I, I look back at, at that match going, was there something I could have done better? Uh, at this Australian Open, I think Emil Ruzavuri, uh, two sets up against Daniel Medvedev. I, he had two points away from the match. Um, yeah, again, something where we go really, really, really close to winning, um, but then you know, not, not getting the result uh, is uh, disappointing. I, I don't want to say frustrating, but... Uh, definitely disappointing uh, because you know it would have made a huge difference in in you know like uh, their career and their uh, and their season. Absolutely, I was looking at, at, at coming to the men's final match. I was looking at the the the, the box of of Medvedev as it was kind of slipping away from him over over the match on Sunday. And I, I met, have you ever felt this? And maybe you felt it in that semi final with Sabalenka and Mukova where you're you're almost powerless because of whether it be, I think, with Medvedev at the weekend physical or or just the momentum, it, 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 it's such a big thing in tennis. And, and have you, did you feel a bit maybe like, I don't really know what we can say or do here because things are just slipping away and Mukova was playing so solid in those last three or four games? Yeah, d d definitely felt a little bit, but uh, maybe there's a, there a bit of me as well thinking um, she just needs to get one game. Uh, like even at five all, if she can just hold and take it to a third set tiebreak, I, I just felt there was still a chance. Um, and I think she was 40-15 in one of those games as well. I can't re remember if I'm, I'm remembering that right. But um, so I, I felt there was a bit of hope even even, until, even on match point before she ended up losing. 
uh, I felt helpless, I, I guess, in the fifth set of Medvedev uh, Ruzavori because I think uh, Emil had started cramping towards the middle of the third set and did incredibly well in the fourth set to manage it and get really close to winning. Um, but then by the fifth set, you, you, you felt helpless because there's nothing that I, I think you could have given to to stop that deterioration in in in, uh, in the physical side. So uh, the you know the, the final set was going to be uh, pretty tough. Um, so that one, I, I felt really helpless, but I would say definitely the Mukova one felt we could have we could have still influenced that uh, better. I could have maybe picked out a few things, um, but I think in the moment as well, um, where, where we've got a little bit of a pressure that we're dealing with to try and work out what do we communicate um, in a moment like that as well, when the athletes may be a little bit frustrated and, and not as receptive to feedback as well. Um, what... Um... What about the future, Shane? Where, where are we looking with you? And do you want to take more players on board? Or you, you, you're, you're quite, you think that you've got your, you know, your players that you've highlighted already and that's, that's where you're going with this? Or, or, or what's the thinking there? Yeah, so we've, we're actually um, starting to put together a team. I've got a few analysts um, now working in, in my team. Some are ex-players, um, more coming in from the coaching angle, but upskilling in the data space. Uh, some of the other way, but um, I'm built a team to now, and we took on a number of new players this this Australian Open. Um, we've developed a mobile app, um, which is almost a self-sufficient tool for a coach, so they can use DDSA services, but they don't have someone like in my position to do the analysis for them. It's they've got the data, they've got it presented in a nice way, and the coach can self-analyze the the matchups and. So we've got an option like that. Um, so we, we can work with coaches like that. They can work under a similar model to an, a Jabur and Zabalenka where we're part of the team. Um, uh, and then, yeah, we're, we've got a few different, like, as I said, analysts in a similar role to me that work with other players. Um, and, and we're, yeah, we're, if there's demand, we'll, we'll build our team. So... Um, if there's more players that want to come and work with us, we're more than happy to, and I'll, I'll just make sure I get the right people in my team to be able to give them a high-quality sort of service. Sure. Uh, one more for you. Just looking at the year ahead for the three players you've highlighted, which will obviously have you know various different goals. Ons has had a you know maybe a, a slightly disappointing start to the year, but you know there's hopefully bigger and better things to come. Obviously, with the French Open and Wimbledon, maybe in particular, but. But the clay court season and grass court season in general. Sabalenka, I mean, uh, I, I spoke to her in Berlin last year and, and uh, given her all-court game and the fact that she's getting to semis and finals on a regular basis at all the Grand Slams over the last, you know, almost two-year period, you know, the world is her oyster. And then there's obviously Emil, who you touched upon, who was very close to knocking out the eventual finalist in Daniel Medvedev. And we all know about him being a hardcore specialist what are, what is the what's the sort of thinking with these three players uh, with this year ahead yeah i mean uh i'll start with ons i think uh you know she had a, a later preseason just to try and get over some of the injuries and concerns so she didn't actually have a lead-up event and then uh when you don't have a lead-up event and you're playing a, a very high quality teenager that's match fit match ready it was going to be tough um obviously the result wasn't as expected we didn't expect that sort of scoreline but do you sort of learn something from that match, Shane? As, as, as yeah. maybe disappointing as the result was, maybe you can often learn quite a bit from that. 
Yeah, de definitely. I mean, uh, on a lot of the key KPIs that we have for ONS, she was below. Um, um, so we understand that she wasn't match ready. Uh, also got to credit uh, Mira. She played an unbelievable match as well. So um, you've got, there was two parts to that, um, but certainly the parts that I think we can control. I know Isam, um, Karim, they've gone back. Uh, she's been training almost every day since she got back. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, they're, they're working on fixing that. Understand that when you don't have a full preseason, some of these things uh, that they couldn't work on, um, you know, they're, they're now working on post the Australian Open. So, again, the aim for her is to try and uh, get match fit, uh, play these uh, sort of Middle Eastern events um, um um, because she feels like she's got a great home home support crowd there uh, to, to do well there and then Indian Wells, Miami and then, as you said, launch into the, the clay and grass seasons where she's had traditionally had really good results. Um, if I move to Emil, he started the year really well, finally in Hong Kong, uh, again, beat some good players, game there, lost to Rublev. Um, and then the Medvedev one it was, a for me, a light bulb moment for him. I think at a slam to, to show that he can play against one of the guys that would have been on the on the top three or four favorites to win the tournament just to show that the, the level is there um so yeah he's just got to build on that and i think he'll 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 take more positives and negatives from that result and and um yeah, i'm really expecting some really good things for, for him this year um uh working working uh you know, to try and get that ranking into that top 30 uh, uh bracket if he can and then with Arena, you don't want to put any pressure. Um, but, yeah, she, I think any event she enters, she, she'll feel like she's got the game to win it. Um, and uh, I know she, the team knows there's things to work on and they'll keep you know, adding things and, and getting her um, ready to, to perform against um, yeah, different players on different surfaces. So I think she's going to keep working and, uh, yeah, hopefully she can put herself in positions to, to be competitive at all the slams. Cool. Thanks, Shane, for coming on board today, and I'm sure we'll catch up with you very soon. Shane, if you can just uh, hold the line for... Sports Social Podcast Network.